0: Well, thank you for joining us on Easter Sunday. My name is Clayton Walker. I'm the pastor here of the City Church. And man, I'm just pumped and honored that you are here with us right now. Got a question for you as you're sitting there, probably in your living room, maybe even in your underwear. Maybe the first time you've ever gone to church on Easter Sunday in your underwear. Most of the time, a lot of us uh, are dressing up as nice as we possibly can for Easter Sunday. Uh, my guess is a lot of you right now are not dressed up in your Sunday best. And listen, that is totally okay. But if you've got some other people in the room with you right now, uh, and one of them happens to be your brother, I just want you to look at them right now and smile at them and give them just kind of a wink, you know, from one brother to the other. And let me ask you, how many of you have a brother? Just show a hand, just lift your hand, like right there up on your your couch or in your recliner. If you've got a brother, just raise your hand and say, yep, that's me, I got a brother. Uh, They're right here next to me. Uh, don't, Don't hit them or don't do anything like that right now. You're in church right now, so don't punch them. Just lift your hand up and say, yep, that's me, I got a brother. Or maybe you're here, you're watching right now and you are with your family, like with your kids, but you grew up with a brother, like you grew up with, Brothers, I grew up with Three brothers. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was a bloody mess. Okay, one of the fights we got in, one of my brothers hit me over the back of the head with a brick and it knocked me out cold. I had one time one brother take the other brother's head and smash it through a car window. Like That's how crazy my brothers and I were. Now, what I'm not saying is for you guys that are kids in the room and you've got a brother that any of that is okay. It's not okay and you will get in tons of trouble if you do that to Your brother, But growing up with my brothers was a bloody mess. Now, I know you're thinking, Clayton, like you are so wise and like great and amazing. And just just how could your brothers not like you? Like, how could your brothers think that you're not the most amazing person in the entire world? Listen, I know. I know that's what you're thinking. And I totally get it. Like, I get it. Like, I don't know why they don't think that or didn't think that at least when we were growing up. Either you may think that, (laughs) but my brothers sure don't. My brothers sure didn't. Why? Because they know me. Because I'm their brother. Well, let me ask you this: What would it take? If you got a brother in the room right now, just look at him right now. Okay, my boys are probably watching right now. They're they're sitting across or sitting next to each other on the couch. Just look at your brother and just think about it right now. Or if you've got if you got a brother, just think about it in your mind right now. What would it take? for you to believe that your brother is the son of God. Like what would it take? What would it take for you to believe that your brother is God, like God in the flesh? Did you know that Jesus had some brothers? Jesus had a family, he had brothers. And the gospels tell us this in Mark chapter three, that Jesus's brother and his family thought he was crazy because he was saying things like I and the father are one, like me and God are one and the same. Jesus would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, you've seen God. Can you imagine being his brother and your brother's walking around claiming to be God, like the the son of God? Can you imagine that? Just look at your brother right now and think about it. What if they walked around saying they were God, they were the son of God? Of God in John chapter 7, we read that Jesus' brothers and his family actually mocking him, saying, Hey, why don't you go somewhere else and preach and perform miracles? Because you know, you're a miracle worker, right? You're the son of God, right? Why don't don't you go somewhere else and, and do your miracles? They didn't believe him, and you wouldn't believe your brother either, if your brother went around claiming to be. God, the Son of God. They didn't believe him. So they thought he was crazy. They thought, some translations say, they thought he was going out of his mind. And they even mocked him. They mocked his claim that he was the Son of God. You see, there's only three options that we have with Jesus. Like, there's only three things to believe about it. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. And he is who he said he is. A liar, a lunatic, or Lord. And those are your only three options. You can't say Jesus was a great moral teacher. He didn't give us that option. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be the only way to heaven. So he's either a liar and he knew none of it was true. He's a lunatic. He's crazy. And he really thought he was the son of God. He really thought that he and the father were one. He really thought that he was the way to heaven, but he really, he wasn't. He was crazy. He was a lunatic or he's Lord. He's God in the flesh and he is who he says he is. Those are your only three options. So we've got to just dispel this myth that Jesus was a great teacher or Jesus is a, a good moral prophet or someone that we should listen to or follow. He's either a liar, lunatic or Lord. And he is everything that he said he was. Those are the only three options. Now, some of us claim to believe in Jesus, but we really have a side Jesus. You see, we are closing out a series today that we've been in over the last couple of weeks. And here's what we've said about a side Jesus, much like a side hustle or a side chick, which is (laughs) adultery. When you have a side hustle or a side chick, they're not your main thing, right? You haven't reoriented your life around that thing. It's a side thing. It's not the main thing. Some of us have a side Jesus. We may attend church a couple times a year. We may observe uh, what's going on at church. And maybe we even sing the songs and and pray the prayers and, and, and read the verses. We watch, we observe, maybe we even participate a little bit, but we haven't reoriented our lives around Jesus teaching his kingdom and his mission. Well, if you haven't gone all in with Jesus and you haven't reoriented your life around following him and his teachings, his mission, you've got a side Jesus. You may have a loose attachment to him. You may think he's great. You may think he has some good things to say. You may even agree with some of the things that he says. But if you haven't gone all in with Jesus, you've got a side Jesus. And listen, I just want to be honest with you right now. I think that's a lot of us today. I think a lot of us, if we're honest, might say, I've got a side Jesus. I haven't completely reoriented my life around following him. He's not the main thing. Now you might be wondering, what's the problem with that? Like that's been my whole life. Like I've attended, I've kind of watched, I've observed. I think Jesus is great. I even agree with some of the things he says. What's wrong with that? Can I just believe in Jesus, attend, watch, observe? Isn't that good enough? Do I really have to go all in? Do I really have to follow Jesus as the Lord of my life and completely reorient my whole life around following Jesus, his teachings, his kingdom, and his mission? How do you know if you have a side Jesus? Well, in this series, here's what I want to convince you of two things. One, there really is no such thing as a side Jesus. And two, real life is found in following Lord Jesus. Real life is found in following Lord Jesus. Jesus. And I want to show you more about what I'm talking about. If you got your Bible, turn to first Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be in the book of James as well. And then we're going to be in the book of Jude, which is all the way at the end of your Bible, right before revelation. But now's the time to open up the app, the city church Lubbock on your phone. If you don't have it, download it now and then select sermon notes and follow along with us. All the verses and the points are going to be there. You can even fill in the blank as we go. And as you fill in the blank and get a right answer, a little green line will appear below your answer and you'll feel all good and special that you got a right answer in church today. So that will help you, though, engage and lean into this time. If you want to get the most out of our time together, follow along in the app and fill in the blank as we go. It'll be a way for you to actively participate and engage. And you'll get so much more out of today if you will actively lean in and not lean back in that recliner. So let's go first Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse three. This is a letter from Paul to some believers, to some followers of Jesus at the church at Corinth. And let's look and see what does it look like to follow Jesus as Lord. What does it look like to have a Lord Jesus? First Corinthians 15, starting in verse three, it says this, Paul says this, I passed on to you what was most important. So this is the most important thing, Paul says, that was passed on to him and that he wants to pass on to these followers of Jesus at this church in Corinth. And he wants to pass on to you today. This is the most important thing, Paul says, that I can pass on to you. It was passed on to me. Christ, Jesus, died for our sins. That means he died in my place for my sin. He took on the wrath of God for my sin. I'm a lawbreaker in the eyes of God. I've broken his law. And when you break man's law, you pay man's fine. When you break God's law, you pay God's fine. And God's fine for sin is eternity separated from him in a place called hell where you bear the wrath of God for your sin. And Paul says Christ died for our sins, he died in our place for our sin. And through his death on the cross on Friday at 3 p.m., he died taking the wrath of God for your sin and my sin, paying our fine for sin, just as the scriptures said he would. He was buried. And then watch this. He was raised from the dead. So he died. And then days later on Sunday, today, he rose from the grave. He rose from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said he would. He was seen by Peter. So this isn't just like some fancy story that you heard from your parents growing up or, or maybe that your church told you when you were growing up, kind of like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or anything else like that. No, no, no. This is real life. He was seen by Peter and by the 12 disciples. After that, he was seen, watch this, by more than 500 people, My 500 of his followers at one time. He was seen by that many people at one time, most of whom are still alive at the time of Paul's writing. Paul's saying most of these people who've seen Jesus risen from the dead, including these 500 people that all saw him at the same time, they're all still alive right now as I'm writing this, and they can refute what I'm saying if it's not true. But they're still alive, though some have died. Then, watch this, he was seen by James. Who's that? That's Jesus' brother. Jesus appeared to his brother risen from the dead and later by all the apostles. So they all saw him. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, Paul, the church persecutor, the one who hated Jesus, who hated his followers, who was arresting Christians and throwing them in prison. Paul says, he appeared to me too. And so now I'm passing on to you what's of first importance. In other words, I'm preaching the gospel of my Lord Jesus Christ who rose from the grave. He proved himself to me. He rose from the grave. And so I'm passing on to you what's been passed on to me. Christ died for my sin. And three days later on Sunday, he rose from the grave, conquering sin and conquering the grave, conquering death itself. He appeared to me. So, all these people are claiming that they've seen Jesus risen from the dead. And watch this this is what Paula Fredrickson from Boston University said about their claims of seeing Jesus risen from the grave. I know in their own terms what they saw was the raised Jesus. That's what they say. And then all the historical evidence we have afterwards attests to their conviction that that's what they saw. I'm not saying that they really did see the raised Jesus. I wasn't there, I don't know what they saw. But I do know that as a historian that they must have seen something. This is someone who's not a follower of Jesus agreeing with the historical evidence that says all the disciples, all the apostles, and people like Paul and James, the brother of Jesus, believe they saw Jesus risen from the grave, And she said, all the historical evidence points in this direction, that they were convinced that they saw Jesus risen from the grave. It's interesting that many of the Jewish leaders would ascribe Jesus's miraculous power and even his resurrection as the work of demonic powers. Because they couldn't refute all the miracles he had done. They couldn't refute his resurrection from the dead. And so they made up stories and lies like the disciples stole the body or it was demons. It was actually demons that raised Jesus from the grave. It was actually demonic power that gave Jesus his ability to raise people like Lazarus from the grave himself to heal people. They couldn't refute what Jesus had done. They couldn't refute all the evidence that proved that Jesus was who he said he was. He was God. And so he is Lord. So what about Jesus's family though? They thought he was crazy. They thought he was out of his mind, but now they've seen Jesus risen from the grave. Did anything change? Remember, we just read, Paul just said in 1 Corinthians 15, James, the brother of Jesus, saw Jesus risen from the grave. So what happened to James? I mean, does he, end up believing that his own brother is the son of God. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, what would it take for you to believe your brother was the son of God, was God in the flesh? What would it take for you to believe that? Well, James sees the risen Jesus and watch what James says in his letter that we have in the new Testament. James one verse one, this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. James says, I'm a slave of my brother, Jesus. Watch what he says next. James two, verse one. He calls Jesus his glorious Lord Jesus. Listen, if you've got a brother in the room right now, just look at them and say, you are so glorious. Like, you are glorious. Now, don't call them your master and Lord. That, that would be wrong. But imagine telling your brother That he is your master, you are his slave, and you are my glorious Lord. Like it makes me laugh thinking about my brothers looking at me and saying anything remotely like that. It's crazy. I mean, what would it take for you to say that to your brother? To believe that he is Lord, he is God, and he is your master. And you, his, I mean, can you imagine what would it take for you to say something like this? Maybe, maybe if you saw your brother die and then three days later rise from the grave, conquering death itself. Maybe then you would believe. You know, Jesus had another brother. We actually have a letter from him in the scripture too. His name's Jude. And watch what Jude said. This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ. Jude 1 verse 1. Jude, the brother of Jesus, who thought he was out of his mind, who thought he was crazy. Jude says the same thing. This isn't just one of Jesus's brothers. This is two now of Jesus's brothers saying, you are master. I am slave. You are Lord. I'm following you. I'm giving my life, my heart over to you. Look what Jude says later in Jude 1 verse 4, our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Jude calls his brother, my master, my Lord. Watch what he says here. Jude 1 verse 25, all glory to him who alone is God, our savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. I mean, imagine telling your brother, all glory belongs to you. All glory belongs to uh, That's what's happening right now. Jesus' brothers are saying, all glory belongs to you. Our only God. You are Lord. You are master. Can you imagine saying that? To your brother, what would it take for you to say that to your brother? What would it take for you to go from thinking your brother is crazy, out of his mind, even mocking him, to thinking that he's Lord? You see, watch this. Fans of Jesus say Jesus is great. I mean, I I believe in Jesus. Maybe even I, I, I agree with some of the things that you say, Jesus, like you're great. Like, I think you are great. Like, you are amazing. Fans of Jesus say Jesus is great. But followers say Jesus is Lord. And there's a big difference. And that's been my hope in this series is to show you the difference. Because fans that say Jesus is great have a side Jesus, You may think he's great. You may even agree with some of the things that he's said, but you haven't made him Lord Jesus yet. You are not a follower yet. If you haven't reoriented your life around following Jesus, his teachings, his kingdom, his mission. And so in this series, and you can catch up on our app anytime we've been looking at, what does it look like to have a Lord Jesus? And how do you know? How do you know if you've got a Lord Jesus or Aside Jesus. Well, it's kind of the same way, you know, if you're in quarantine, like there's evidence of it, right? You've got things that you can point to that say, hey, I'm in quarantine and here's the evidence of it. And it's things that we've all Experience these things that we're all experiencing to be true in this time. Like, you know you're in quarantine if everyone in your house, including the dog, is on thin ice right now. Like, you're, getting easy, you're easily getting in arguments. You're saying things like, why are you doing that this way? And do it this way. Or don't do it this way. Or why are you talking to me like that? You know you're in quarantine if everyone in your house is on thin ice. Right? And listen, I totally understand <laughs> And we've got help for you. Starting next weekend, we are starting a new series called Can't Stand You. And in this series, we're gonna be talking about dealing with people that annoy you and that you just can't stand. Maybe it might just be the people that you've been locked up with for the past few weeks and maybe even longer. So I hope you'll join us next Sunday as we start this new series called Can't Stand You. But in the same way, there's evidence that points to the fact that we're all in quarantine and we can look at it and say, yeah, I've experienced that to be true in my life too. It's evidence that we are in quarantine. The same is true for your life. If you have a Lord Jesus or a side Jesus, you can look at the evidence. Our claims are meaningless. It's the evidence that we need to look to that will determine and will show us whether or not we have a Lord Jesus. So watch this Lord Jesus, or side Jesus. That's what we've been looking at in this series. Do I have a Lord Jesus? Am I a follower? Or do I have a side Jesus? And I'm just kind of a fan of Jesus and I think he's great. Well, here's what we're going to see today. Watch this. You've got a side Jesus if you believe in Jesus, but you haven't surrendered. Let me say that again, give you a chance to fill in some of these blanks. You have a side Jesus if you believe in Jesus, but you haven't surrendered to him. Now, you might be thinking surrender, like, Surrender what? What what does that mean? What does that look like to surrender to Jesus? Well, we've been talking about it all throughout this series, what this looks like to follow a Lord Jesus. And we're just going to give you some more evidence of this today. What does it look like to surrender? What do I surrender to Lord Jesus? Well, number one, you surrender your will. I've got a Lord Jesus if I've surrendered my will. James and Jude both call Jesus master. Here's what they're saying. I serve Jesus now. I don't serve myself. I'm not serving anyone else. I'm not serving another kingdom or a political system. I serve Jesus. He is Lord. He is master. I've surrendered my will to him. And so now I go where he wants me to go. I do what he wants me to do. And I say what he wants me to say. Jesus said this, not my will, but yours be done. In the face of the cross, knowing what was coming, Jesus overwhelmed in the garden of Gethsemane, overwhelmed with grief, Jesus said, knowing what's about to happen to him, knowing that he's about to take on the sin of the world and that his father in heaven is going to have to turn his back on him in that moment as he takes on the sin of the world, as he takes on the wrath of God for your sin and my sin. Knowing that's coming, Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. I do what my father wants me to do. I go where he wants me to go. I say what he wants me to say. And watch this. It's not the other way around. You see, you know you have a side Jesus. If you do what you want to do, go where you want to go, say what you want to say, and then ask God to bless it. You haven't surrendered your will to him. You've got to side Jesus. If you do what you want to do, go where you want to go, say what you want to say, and then expect God to be okay with it. And expect God to just bless whatever it is that you're doing. You know, you've got a Lord Jesus. If you've surrendered your will to the father and your heart is not my will, but yours be done. Secondly, you know you've got a Lord Jesus if you've surrendered your standard. You have a side Jesus if you believe in Jesus, but you haven't surrendered your standard. You know you've got a Lord Jesus if you have surrendered your standard. What am I talking about? Your standard of right and wrong. If you've surrendered your standard of what you believe to be right and wrong over to Jesus, You've got a Lord Jesus, but if you haven't surrendered your standard, you've got a side Jesus. In James chapter 1, James, the brother of Jesus, says this Don't just listen to the word, do what it says. Obey God's word. Don't just listen to it, don't just agree with it, do what it says. James says this in, in, in James 1 the, the follower of Jesus looks to the perfect law that gives freedom and does it. The follower of Jesus, the the, the one who's got a Lord Jesus, looks at God's perfect law, looks at God's word, his standard, his law that we find in his word and says it's perfect. And then lives it out. And does it And James says, it's interesting that this perfect law of God actually gives freedom. We think God's law, we think God's word wants to take away our fun, doesn't care about our fun. But James, the brother of Jesus, says, "No, no, 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 listen, you've got it all wrong. It's God's perfect law that gives you freedom, freedom to live, freedom to love, freedom to have joy. It's in God's perfect law that you will find freedom. Freedom, the freedom and the joy, the peace, the fulfillment that your soul is longing for are found in following god 's perfect law and following god 's standard for your life and James says, the one who looks at god 's perfect law and does it will be blessed If you want to be blessed, hear James, the brother of Jesus, telling you, then do go- obey god's word if you want god 's blessing on your life obey god 's Word Jude, the brother of Jesus, said this in Jude 1, verse 3, I'm writing to urge you to contend you for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. Our faith is not up for debate. We don't come up with new truth, new doctrine. Our faith has been once and for all entrusted to the saints, and we find it in God's word. Our standard, not only for life, but for our faith, is found in God's word. And so we preach and teach God's word, the inspired word of God. It's the only source of God's truth. And what we believe about God and how to have a relationship with God, we find in God's word. Jude says our faith has been once and for all entrusted to the saints, and we find The truth of our faith and the truth of God in God's word. Jude would go on to say in Jude 1 verse 8, that those who follow their own standard and do what they think is right in their own eyes, reject authority. Verse 10, they are like animals that follow their natural instincts. Verse 16 They are like animals who follow their natural instincts and follow their own evil desires. Jude 1, verse 18 and 19. Those who have their own standard and do what's right in their own eyes follow the ungodly natural instincts and do not have the spirit. In other words, Jude is saying those who follow their own standard and just do whatever is instinctive to them do not have the spirit. In other words, they're not followers of Jesus. They are ungodly and they are following their own evil desires by doing whatever they think is right in their own eyes, by living according to their own standard. Those that have the Holy Spirit, which are followers of Jesus, when you place your faith in Jesus, God gives you his spirit and it comes to dwell inside of you and live inside of you and his spirit moves you to obey God and love God from the inside out. There's a, a heart change there, and now you, you just love the things of God. Well, God's spirit, James and Jude are saying, give us a passion for God's word, for God's truth, and make God's word their standard for life and faith. That's what James and Jude, the brother of Jesus, are saying. They make God's word the standard for their decisions. They don't do what they think is right in their own eyes. They do what God thinks is right. And when God's word confronts anything in their life and says anything in their life is sinful and God's word will do that. It will confront sin in your life. It will confront the things in your life that do not measure up to God's standard. When that happens, followers repent of their sin. They are broken over their sin. They want to turn from their sin. Fans don't really care. Maybe they even try to justify their lifestyle before God. Maybe they would even say, well, I don't agree with that. Or I don't don't like that. I don't agree with that. That's what fans say. Followers who have a Lord Jesus When the scripture convicts them of sin in their life, things in their life that they're doing that God does not approve of are broken over that sin. And they pray and ask for God's help to turn from that sin because they want to live their life in accordance with God's perfect law that brings freedom, that they might experience the blessing of God. In Judges chapter 21, the nation of Israel has followed God and worship God. And then they go through these seasons of sin where they reject God and they rebel against God and they turn away from God. And this happens over and over and over again. At the end of the book of judges in judges 21, it says this, that Israel had no King at this time. So watch this. Everyone did as they saw fit in their own eyes. They had no King. So they did what was right in their own eyes. You see, when you have a King, That you've surrendered to? That you've surrendered your standard to? When you have a king, you do what's right in his eyes. Not what's right in your eyes. So I have a Lord Jesus if I've surrendered my will. If I've surrendered my standard. And then finally, you know you've got a Lord Jesus if you've surrendered your heart. You know you've got a side Jesus if you believe in Jesus but haven't surrendered your heart. But you know you've got a Lord Jesus if you've surrendered your heart. In James chapter two, James says this again, the brother of Jesus, you say that you believe in Jesus. You, you say that you're a follower. Maybe you would claim to be a follower of Jesus. Today. You, you, you say that and that's great. But James says this in James chapter two, but even the demons say that even the demons agree and know that Jesus is Lord. They, they mentally, they, they know that. They agree with that. Even the demons believe. And so if you say you believe, that's great. But that claim is meaningless because even the demons believe. Even the demons know who Jesus is. The difference, and there's a big difference, between knowledge just agreeing with Jesus and the truth of the gospel and surrender to Jesus and the truth of the gospel. There's a big difference there. There's a big difference between knowledge and surrender. Even the demons agree and know that Jesus is Lord, but they have not surrendered. They live in rebellion against God. And so if you claim that you believe in Jesus, but, but your life isn't different, you don't have time for him, you do what's right in your own eyes, then Jesus would say and. he said in Matthew 12, well, then a tree is identified by its fruit. Your claim is meaningless. The fruit in your life, the fact that your life isn't different, that you don't give any time to Jesus and that you live by your own standard and play by your own rules proves that you're not a follower of Jesus and that Jesus is not the Lord of your life. A tree, Jesus says, is identified by its fruit. In James chapter two, James, the brother of Jesus would go on to say, faith without works is dead. It's useless. And so your claim is meaningless. If you don't have a, a life change To back it up, you see in the new covenant, Jesus said this, I will take your heart of stone out and I will give you a heart of flesh. People who've given their lives to Jesus and who follow Jesus as the Lord of their life, their heart of stone that rebels against God and rejects God and doesn't care about God is taken out of their bodies literally. And they're given this new heart, Jesus says, that's a heart of flesh that loves God and is sensitive to God and worships God and follows God. Your heart changes and now you care about different things. You desire different things. You love different things than you used to. James is saying you will have works that show a change of heart. You will have things in your life that you're doing now that show that you love Jesus. You see, a fan says, I know you. But a follower says, I love you. Fans say, I, I know you, Jesus. You're, man, you're great. You're a great teacher. I even believe and agree with some of the things that you say. But a follower says, I love you, Jesus. There's been a heart change. And listen, we all start out as fans in the crowd. We all do. We all start out as fans thinking Jesus is great and Examining what he has to say and examining his claims. But the call, Jesus' call is to become a follower. Jesus was constantly calling people in the crowds to follow him, to completely reorient their lives around following him. And that's what faith, real faith, really looks like. I mean, that's what James, the brother of Jesus, is saying. That if you claim to have faith, you're going to have this love for Jesus. You're gonna have this desire to follow Jesus and completely reorient your life around following Jesus. You see, we are saved by faith and by faith alone. But what James is saying is true, genuine faith will have a change of heart, a change of life, a change of will that are attached to it and that are overflowing out of that. In Jesus' words, there will be fruit there will be new fruit to identify the tree. And so if you love Jesus, you're gonna desire to be a follower and completely reorient your life around following him, regardless of the cost, regardless of the sacrifice. And listen, Lord Jesus has so much more for you as a follower. It's where real life is found. But here's what you've got to understand. In reality, There's no such thing as a side Jesus. Only a Lord Jesus. In reality, there's no such thing as a side Jesus. Only a Lord Jesus. Jesus said, I and the father are one. And Jesus proved that he was God. Jesus proved that he is the only way to heaven through his resurrection. He's the only one that has ever conquered death and said, I'm the way to heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm going with the guy who rose from the dead. That's who I'm trusting in for my eternal life and for what happens after I die. I'm going with the guy who rose from the dead and proved it, who proved that he is Lord and God. And Peter said in Acts chapter 2, God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ. In other words, God has proved that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God. He proved it. And so you and I don't make Jesus Lord. Jesus is Lord. Our response is to bow to him. And you might say, how could you you do that? How could you say that, that we should bow to Jesus as Lord? Well, here's what we've seen in this series so far, that Peter saw Jesus and believed that Jesus is Lord after Jesus rose from the grave, that, that Paul saw Jesus risen from the grave and believed that Jesus is Lord. That Thomas, the skeptic who did not believe when all the other disciples had seen Jesus, he hadn't seen him yet. He didn't believe. He didn't even believe their testimony. But then Thomas saw him himself and touched his hands and touched the side where the spear went in. And then Thomas believed and said, you are Lord in God. And now today. We've got James and Jude, the brothers of Jesus, saying Jesus is Lord and God. God. And so what we've said in the series based on their testimony, based on their eyewitness accounts, Jesus is worthy of my life. Jesus is worthy of my trust. And today, here's what I want you to see. Jesus is worthy of my surrender, surrendering my will, surrendering my heart, my standard, surrendering everything over to him. He is worthy of my surrender. And to kind of help you see this play out between two brothers who would have a hard time believing that Jesus is who he said he was. I want you to see this video with my two boys talking about this. So check this out. you say if Levi said he was the son of God? Get out of my house. Get out of, get, get out of my house? <laughs> Why would you tell him to get out of your house?
1: Because he's getting crazy. Because he was getting crazy?
0: <laughs> Levi, what about you? What would you say to Coben if you said he was the son of God?
1: Don't ask him that. How many lemonades have you had?
0: <laughs> How many lemonades have you had? He might have had one too many lemonades. Probably so. So you think you wouldn't believe him if he said he was the son of God, yeah? Did you know Jesus had brothers?
1: Yeah, James.
0: James was one of them. Um. There was another one, too, that the uh, that at least we have a letter from in the New Testament, too. Oh, right. It starts with a J. I know. It's close to one of your names. Judah? Jude. Jude.
1: So I say your that. middle name
0: is Jude. Yeah. Okay. okay. Ooh, and that is one of the brothers of Jesus. And he writes a letter in the New Testament too. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. So James and Jude are brothers of Jesus in two, at least two different times in the gospels. It says that Jesus's brothers thought he was crazy
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that he was out of his mind. If Coban rose from the grave, like he died and then came back to life and said, hey look, I told you I was God. And now look, I'm proving it. You would believe that He was the he was God in the flesh?
1: I still <laughs> doubt him. Just
0: so. You'd still have some doubts? Probably. I mean it's it's weird, right? It's your brother. If Levi rose from the grave, he died, and then he rose from the grave three days later, would you believe that he, he you would believe he's God? Yeah. Would you still have some questions or some doubts? No. No? Why?
1: because I saw it with my own eyes.
0: Because you saw it with your own eyes? Yeah,
1: he proved it.
0: Yeah, if you knew he died and three days later he rose from the grave and you could touch him and talk with him and spend time with him, then you might not have any other choice but to believe he was who he said he was, right? Mm -hmm. You'd go from thinking he was crazy to thinking, well, he really is the Lord. He proved it. He rose from the grave. Coban, what about you? Why are you confident that Jesus rose from the grave, and it's not just something your parents have told you, because but it's something that really happened.
1: Because in the Bible, it said that when he died in the tomb three mm-hmm. days later, when he rose again, they did not find a body, mm-hmm. so they had no proof that he did die mm-hmm. and stayed dead. And so, uh, and then Mary saw with her, it says in the Bible that Mary saw with her own eyes that he had come back from the dead. Mm-hmm.
0: Levi, what would it take for you to say you're a servant of your brother, Coben?
1: Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Everything?
0: You don't think you could never say that? So James and Jude both say they're servants of their brother, their Lord and Savior, Jesus. Did you know they ended up, they kept preaching about Jesus, that they saw him, just like you said, they saw him, they touched him, they spent time with him, and they wouldn't stop talking about how Jesus had rose from the grave. What does that that make you think, Levi, that James and Jude went to their graves dying horrible deaths?
1: Did they really truly believe that Jesus was the Lord?
0: Yeah, they really believed it, didn't they? What do you think, Owen, about James and Jude Um, dying horrible deaths, saying they saw Jesus risen from the grave?
1: Well, first of all, they had to have really changed, because first they went from having a thousand doubts to having no doubts. Yeah. And and went from uh went from not believing him at all to being killed of nonstop talking about him.
0: Yeah. I think each of you can remember anytime you have questions or wonder, you know, is this real? You can just look at each other. You can look at Coben. Coben, you can look at (laughs) Levi (laughs) (laughs) and say, what would it take for me to believe that my brother is the son of God and just put yourself in James and Jude's shoes. So whose turn was it? I feel like I'm losing. It's mine. After seeing Jesus risen from the dead, James and Jude both confess that Jesus is Lord. And they would go to their graves dying as martyrs because they would not stop preaching and teaching that Jesus is who he said he was. He rose from the grave. He proved it. James tradition says was stoned to death. You might be thinking, where are you getting that information from? Well, we have many different sources from the first century and early second century that tell us the story specifically of James. This is Josephus, the early Jewish, first century Jewish historian. He said this, convening the judges of the Sanhedrin, he brought before them the brother of Jesus who was called the Christ. So this is James, whose name was James, and certain others. He accused them of having transgressed the law and delivered them up to be stoned. James died as a martyr, claiming that Jesus Rose from the grave, and that Jesus is Lord. And this is the most persuasive evidence for the historical accuracy and defense of the resurrection. It's that you don't die for something you know to be a lie. You see, people die for things they believe all the time, but the disciples and the brothers of Jesus specifically, James and Jude died for something they were saying, they were in the place to know whether it was true or false. They're saying they were eyewitnesses, witnesses. And so watch this, liars make bad martyrs. People don't die for something they know to be a lie. Liars make bad martyrs. And James and Jude and the other disciples died as martyrs saying they saw Jesus risen from the dead. They were convinced of it. So I would ask you this morning, is Jesus liar, lunatic, or Lord? Jesus one time asked his disciples, hey, who who are the people saying that I am? Who do the crowds say that I am? And they gave some answers. And then Jesus looked at Peter and his disciples, but what about you? Who do you say I am? What about you this morning? You've got to pick one. Is he a liar? Is he lunatic? Or Lord, there's no other option. And so I would challenge you today, stop bowing up to God. Bow down to your Lord and Savior, Jesus. Surrender yourself to him, your life, your trust, your will, your standard, your heart, surrender yourself to your Lord. He is Lord. And Paul says in Philippians two, one day every knee is going to bow. So the only question is, will you bow your knee now? Or will you be forced to bow at one day when you stand before God in heaven? But listen, on that day, it's gonna be too late on that day. If you have not said, bowed your knee and said, Jesus is Lord of my life and I give my life to him. If you haven't done it on that day, it will be too late and you will hear depart from me, I never knew you. And you will spend eternity separated from God and hell as a payment, as a fine for your sin. And so today I urge you, I challenge you, bow, surrender to your Lord. You know, a lot of people today are scared And rightfully so. Things like this virus show us that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. That life is shaky. It shows us that one day and reminds us that one day we are all going to die. And that idea, that thought scares a lot of us. I wanna submit to you today that whether you're scared right now or not, whether you're scared of dying or not, has everything to do with who you say Jesus is. If you would make Jesus the Lord of your life, then I believe, much like the disciples, you will find that though you used to be scared, you're not anymore, because you now follow a risen Savior who conquered death itself. God, I pray today that you would lead many of us for the first time to say, Jesus is Lord. It's the only option we have. You're you're liar, lunatic, or Lord, and you are who you said you are. You're God in the flesh and you are the way, the only way to heaven. And so God, I pray today, many people for the first time would bow their knee. They would quit bowing up to you and they would bow down to you right now in this moment and say, Jesus, you are Lord. And in doing so, they would conquer sin and they would conquer death itself. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, will live. We thank you for eternal life that is ours in Jesus' name.